This is from page 510 of the text of A Course in Miracles. Forgiveness turns the world of sin into a world of glory, wonderful to see. Each flower shines in light, and every bird sings of the joy of heaven. There is no sadness, and there is no parting here, for everything is totally forgiven. And what has been forgiven must join, for nothing stands between to keep them separate and apart. The sinless must perceive that they are one, for nothing stands between to push the other off. And in the space that sin left vacant do they join as one, in gladness recognizing what is part of them has not been kept apart and separate. The holy place on which you stand is but the space that sin has left. And here you see the face of Christ arising in its place. Who could behold the face of Christ and not recall his Father as he really is? Who could fear love and stand upon the ground where sin has left a place for heaven's altar to rise and tower far above the world and reach beyond the universe to touch the heart of all creation? What is heaven but a song of gratitude and love and praise by everything created to the source of its creation? The holiest of altars is set where once sin was believed to be. And here does every light of heaven come to be rekindled and increased in joy. For here is what was lost restored to them and all their radiance made whole again. We've talked about this before. The subject of betrayal. I know many of you are going through this. I know that as you have started your spiritual path and as you have tried very very hard it seems as if your efforts are rewarded by old friends turning against you maybe even your your spouse maybe even a grown child or two not understanding what it is you are trying to do and believe me I know how difficult this is and so I want to talk a little bit about this this morning because, as we've said before here, betrayal does seem to be the way of the world. The children that we spent so much time with turn against us at adolescence. And we see parents turn against their children for what seem to be very, very small things indeed. Friends that we've had such a long time and the ego, of course, places great emphasis on how long we have had a friend turn against us. We see companies turn against their employees because they've reached a certain age or because they're going through a, a certain difficulty. I don't have to cite to you all these evidences of this way of the world because it's so clear. Countries that seem to be friends of other countries suddenly now are their enemies. And we work so hard and we pour so much out of our national treasury to this particular company or country or that particular country and then it turns against us. You probably read that Roberto Duran 
is making a comeback now. Now, the first, uh, in the first fight where he won, the president of his, of his uh, country sent a plane to pick him up. In the fight that he lost, the people were stoning his house. This is the way of the world, but it's happened to you. I know this is true. I know you've had this happen. And so there are easier and more peaceful ways to get through this. And so let's talk about that this morning. There are two sort of classic ways in which we can appear to be betrayed, two areas. And behind these two areas are two longings. Although it doesn't seem to be the case, a longing comes from the ego part of us. Although there can be, we can use that word for a homesickness that we feel for God and that has a stop. Suddenly we feel this, this need to talk to God again. But what, when we feel that kind of longing, we stop in our tracks. We pull our car off the side of the road. We stop whatever we're doing and we turn our thought to God and we talk to him for a moment. But this other kind of longing, this longing for something that we don't have and we can't quite get and that we're very anxious about, comes from the ego. It is a denial of the present. And two of the forms that it comes in is a longing for friends and a longing to be a teacher. Now, the longing to be a teacher can come about after you have begun your spiritual path if it hasn't come about before. Beforehand, it might be the longing to be an expert. Uh, so on television, you've got these two longings played to uh, in the beer commercials. Uh, and in, uh, say, for example, the Phil Donahue program in which the experts appear. And possibly this has looked very, very attractive to you. Uh, the beer, beer commercials in which uh, all you do is just put a little Miller light to your tongue and you've got 50 friends there in the room. They're just laughing with you and everything else. And um, I don't know if this beer is still around, uh, but David and I grew up in Texas and I'm, I'm sure he remembers Lucky Beer. Lucky is the beer beer drinkers drink. <laughs> Let's think about that for a minute. <laughs> That's opposed to the tuna fish eaters. Now, they, they, but the beer drinkers drink lucky. See. And on Phil Donahue, you've probably noticed that all you have to do, I'm not, this is, I'm not rapping Phil Donahue himself, I'm just talking about this as an example of, of uh, how expertise is honored. Uh, because as I've told you before, uh, I can say this because I was not sworn to secrecy. Phil Donahue donated his entire fee to the Center for Attitudinal Healing when they did that special. He would be embarrassed, I'm sure, to... Uh, uh, but we want to embarrass him, don't we? To know that. So I, I'm not talking about the man. I'm just talking about this phenomenon of the expert. And uh, all you have to do is come up with something like... Uh, Instead of rewarding your child with uh, Snickers, reward them with cabbage. And this, this will get the, the attention of everyone, you see. 
Someone called me uh, a while back and uh, said, uh, turn on your TV. There's a, there's, a, uh, there's a talk show about hair. They'd heard me mentioned uh, that my hair was jumping off like lemmings, you know, from the side of my hair. <laughs> so I turned on this uh, talk show. It's one of the later ones. And uh, I didn't get the full program. This is the part that I got. One guy stood up. And he said since he had been using this product, his head had started itching. And the host, said, uh, the host of the show said, that's a miracle, that's a miracle. <laughs> and uh, another guy got up and said that he wanted everybody to know that since he'd been using this product, he hadn't lost any more hair. God, and the man said, can you believe that? And I was so impressed that when the program was over, I rushed to the phone and called them up and asked them if I could send my $40 too for the product. And then I began thinking about what was it that I had heard. I had not heard anything, that, but I'd gotten caught up in all this uh, stuff, you see. So this, this is what the world can hold out to us, um, uh, an expertise uh, to be uh, thought highly of, to have eminence, to have prominence. It seems as if this lack this, that we feel, this loss, this longing, this emptiness in our heart, it seems as if that could be filled, doesn't it, maybe, if we were adored, if we were honored. It looks as if that would fill up that hurt inside of us a little bit, even as possibly we used to think that uh, friendships would do it and being popular and being liked and having lots of friends and having lots of long time friends and friends that we could count on these two things often you will find yourself oriented more towards one than toward the other now we have a lot of fun here at the dispensable church <laughs> uh, if you want to call it that and possibly you have thought that this would be a, a happy thing to do for you to stand up here like me. Uh, but let me tell you what actually goes on. I'm talking about in the terms of the world. If we do something a little bit different in this church, we'll have four or five people that will object very strenuously to it and they will not come back again the next time. We, of course, do not respond to that. We just go right ahead doing whatever it is we think would be the best thing for us to do because there's no right or wrong in this thing. But, for example, on this side, we pass a dove. And on this side, we pass plates. Now, if we were to continue this for, say, five years, and suddenly we were to pass the dove over here and the plates over here, I promise you we'd lose 20% of the congregation. <laughs> There isn't anything to rely on. There, there are, of course, some uh, very dear friends of mine that come here. and But there isn't, I can't rely on anything here. I have chosen to be a teacher. You can choose to be a teacher. A teacher is simply someone who wishes to share the blessing that is occurring in their life. So if someone wants me to make the mistakes first, I'll be happy to do that. And so I make plenty of them, and then I come 
before you and I tell you a few little things that have helped. And that's all that goes on here. But this does not, there's, there's nothing that I can rely on in this respect. The major teaching that I do is through my books. And this is a more peaceful way to teach for me because I just sit in my room and I write and I can correct my mistakes. I can't correct them here. I try to correct them the next Sunday, but it takes up most of the time, you know, if I do that. So now possibly that's easy to see, but maybe it's not quite so easy to see uh, with your friends. And so let's talk about the kind of friend that you can lose which for most of you may be most of your friends. So the, the ego relationship. <laughs> Maybe many of you cannot understand why someone would commit suicide because they had lost their money. You know this happens, don't you? And yet to you it might be very perplexing as to why anyone would do that because you recognize that there was no real loss the reason the person committed suicide was that a loss was felt deeply even though you know there was no real loss the person felt a deep loss if someone turns against you if someone betrays you as is very, very likely to happen in this world, that person was not truly your friend. They never were truly your friend. I don't care how much time was spent, how many words spoken, how many so-called reciprocities and good deeds were exchanged. They were never your friend, and you actually did not lose anything by their going away, but you felt a loss. So we feel a loss, which is a sensation, and then we assume without questioning it that there is a lack. So first the feeling of loss, and then the assumption that there's a lack. Now the assumption that we now are lacking because this person has left us, or this whole group of people can leave us which happens to be what's happening to Gail and me at the, at the present time, I have, uh, I've had to sort of become a recluse. I have two books uh, that are due. We have a baby that's going to come in about uh, seven weeks. And it was either I either had to leave town or I had to get a, a secret private number and unplug everything else. So I chose to stay in town and get the private number. But you know these relationships, don't you? You know that you've got to spend so much time with people. You have to have periodic outings with them. If you do not obey by these rules, which are quite chaotic and are ever-changing, but still there's a sort of sense of them, if you do not, then, then their egos, if their egos are quite strong, they will interpret against this. And there's not a whole lot that you can do. Whereas the new kind of friendship that I know that you're beginning to form, that may not have a great deal of time behind it, and somehow you know this is not important, 
but you feel a joining of a heart, a heart connection with this other person. You see the lack of strings. You notice that there are not these strings with this particular person who's, who you find is maybe not on the same path as you are, but is heading in the same direction. And you forgive them even, even that. You find that you don't need to argue with them about their particular way home, but because you're both heading toward God, toward kindness and decency and gentleness and peace. There's a brotherhood and a sisterhood there. And you know it makes no difference whether you contact this person every uh, week or two. or If you don't see them for five years, you run into them and it's still there, isn't it? That light, as if, it's, as if the friendship has never, as if there's never been a moment that has come between the time that you spent together. This is a gradual process, and there's a sort of a transitional period that takes place there, in which your old friends who were never really friends, and this, of course, doesn't include everyone that you've known, but people whose egos are still quite, quite strong, and there's nothing they can do about it because we were just the same way. I can remember uh, back in the days when I was that way, uh, you see, you have to let people leave you in the way that they want to leave you. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But it is funny how we choose to break these things up. And I remember one excuse I came up with, because you're always trying to come... With me, I had to come up with something. I had to, I had to say an excuse. And uh, the one I came up with was that my mother's leg had been amputated. Now, of course, you can only use that twice. <laughs> but it was very effective. I remember thinking that I'd really hit upon that something until I realized that, you know, that uh, you could only use it twice. And um, Now, you may wonder why. Maybe you think that that is a sick joke. I, um, I, wish, you could, I wish you could be with me at the Center for Attitudinal Healing and be with the kids who've had it leg amputated. They would love that kind of joke. That's just the kind of joke they tell to each other. You see, it's just not important. It is not important. And often kids can see this so much better than we can. So, it isn't as if anyone is to blame. It's just something that happens because if a person's ego is still quite strong, they cannot join. It's not that they don't wish to join with you. It isn't as if they wouldn't like to be your friend, but their ego will not allow them. It has not lessened enough yet that they can transcend it and maintain a friendship even against all the tensions and all the stress that this world places on a relationship. But the body, even though you may know this intellectually, the body will feel this loss. It is an actual sensation. And you must not be afraid of the sensation of betrayal. How you feel in your gut. How you feel in your body because this person has betrayed you. Do not... It's sort of like... Uh, I don't know what restaurants do to beans. Have you noticed that you can fix beans at home... And they have quite a different effect than the beans at the restaurant. 
I, somehow they get those beans and they, they t- say, okay, let's get rid of the balloons, let's get rid of the soap bubbles. I don't know what they do to them, but somehow they make those beans behave. <laughs> Have you noticed this? So that when they get in your intestines, and you know, they're, they're well-behaved beans. But when you, now, this creates an unquestionable sensation. Uh, your beans, the ones you fix at home, you see. But you don't go berserk over this, do you see? You just look at it and you say, oh, misbehaving beans, you see. <laughs> and then you just, you, but we look at this feeling of betrayal and we think we have to do something about it. First, notice that you do not have to do anything about this feeling. I agree, it is a very, very painful feeling. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible feeling. But if you can see that you don't have to do anything about it, you will be one small step ahead. If you need to just look at it, if you want to play a game and say, what else could be causing this? then it's all right to do that. Ask my son John. He'll, he'll tell you uh, what to do, uh, what to pretend. Uh, pretend, he's, he, as I told you, he's, he's into heavy machinery. Uh, pretend it's a 226B front loader with a trailer option, and uh, that sucker's just run right over the middle of you. you see. <laughs> he doesn't talk quite like that, but it's getting very close to it. You see. Just look at it, freeze it in your peace, in your stillness. Don't be afraid to look at these sensations. Don't be afraid to look at anger, resentment, jealousy. Because there's a sensation in the body, we think we are dominated. We are controlled, that there's a despotism there that we can do nothing about. This is not so. Do not be afraid to pause and look at deep, deep grief. It's all right to look at it. You look at it without trying to get rid of it, without judging it. You just say, ah, it's located there. It feels this way and so forth. Think about it in any way you wish. And you'll begin to see that you're not required to alter your course because there's a sensation in your body. So, if you can understand a little bit about what goes on with these people who suddenly are attacking you, suddenly this person who has spent so much time with you is saying things, and they're not only saying it to one person, they are going around and saying it to all your friends, and you find out about this. This is a common thing that happens to all of us, and you don't know what to do about it. Let me tell you that there is tremendous strength in not doing anything about it. Do you remember the song we sang last Sunday? Let the circle, may the, uh, will the circle be unbroken, Lord, in the sky by and by? Will the circle be unbroken? There is another thing that has not been unbroken, another thing of quite a different order that has not been unbroken for thousands and thousands of years. And it is the line of attack and counterattack, betrayal and revenge. 
I am hurt, I will get back. I will balance the scales. Of course you wish to do this. Of course you wish to point out the injustice. Of course you wish to run out and save those friends who are being talked to, fearing that they too will leave you. If they leave you, they were not your friends. It is so clear. As I say, Gail and I are going through something like this right at the moment, and it's very interesting. Some, some tale is now being circulated. We can't even figure out where the thing started, but we've noticed that it has been given to a number of our friends, and some people pay no attention to it whatsoever. They don't even care, and there are others that quickly take it to heart and now will not speak to us, or when they speak to us, they speak in that very weird way. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there isn't anything to do about this. There is no counterattack to launch. This is the line we must break. This is what turning the other cheek actually means. It doesn't mean uh, that if you're in front of the uh, canned meat section and someone says, excuse me, please, that you're supposed to lie down in front of their grocery cart <laughs> and let them run over you. It, does, that does, it doesn't mean that. It means that you absorb the blow. That's what it means. You absorb the blow. You dissolve the blow. So this insanity ends. There has been a line of attack that has been going on for thousands of thousands and thousands of years, and now it's at your doorstep, and you have been slapped. Will you now turn around and slap back and keep this thing going? What does it mean to save the world? To turn the other cheek, to absorb the blow, to dissolve the blow. This is not a pain. This is not a sacrifice. There is tremendous strength in this. So you can, in the army, they've got this, uh, in the uh, air, well, you see, I can't talk about this too much. David, although David's from Texas, David was a Marine. And I was an assistant chaplain in the Air Force. It's very embarrassing for me to talk about my armed services experiences with David sitting there. But nevertheless, I know that he will remember the wonderful statement, as you were. So when the drill sergeant uh, makes a mistake, you know, and uh, he said uh, about face and realizes that that's the wrong direction, he says, as you were. It's just wonderful. You, everything goes back to just the way it was. Remember I told you that uh, I did this wedding recently, and after I got through, I, I, I looked down, my, my fly was unzipped. Now, if I could just say, as you were. <laughs> Barbara, uh, Barbara King in uh, Atlanta, uh, who has that wonderful church, uh, the Atlanta Hillside Chapel and Truth Center. Uh, she says, cancel, cancel. (laughs) She started to say something. She started to say something that wasn't nice about someone. She says, cancel, cancel. (laughs) So that's what you do. Yes, you've just been betrayed. Yes, you've just found out about this thing that's happened. Yes, your very parent has turned against you, your child, whatever it may be. 
Do you mean to say that there was no love between you and your child and you and your parent? No, I'm, I'm afraid there wasn't if they turned against you. There was no real love there. I'm not speaking on a basis of spiritual truth. Because, of course, in their higher mind, in their deeper self, in their Christ self, in their real self, they love you and honor you. And they, along with your deep, holy, holy self, laugh gently at all these shenanigans. But on the level of the world, I'm afraid there was no love there. But you will be very unhappy if you turn against your child, if your child is turned against you. You will be very, very, very unhappy if you desert your parent, even though your parent has deserted you. And so you were as you were. That is what turning the other cheek means. As you were. You are just as kind and you are just as much a friend as you were before. Nothing changes. You do not increase your open-mindedness to make them feel bad. You don't suddenly start being a super kind person to show them up. You were as you were. And that stops the line. There is no reaction to the ego. No reaction to it. You are as you were. And perhaps the relationship will seem to heal, and perhaps it won't seem to heal. But if the person's ego is still quite strong, they simply cannot join with you yet, although they may walk beside you for a while. They may walk beside you until they can join you. That's what Gail and I did for 15 or 16 years. We walked beside each other, but we did not join. I used to steal the strawberries off of her plate when she wasn't looking. <laughs> there was the famous strawberry stealing in, uh, in Sausalito. She caught me. It was awful. Let's look just a little bit about this kind of relationship. This, this relationship that's really ego. You know all about it. You know it very, very well. It is based on attack. So you join with this person on the basis of attack. You do agree with them about certain things, but it's what you can attack that you agree on. You agree on targets, and you listen to the conversation, and it's this and that and the other thing that's being denounced, and don't you agree, and great nodding of the head. Now, of course, as you see that you don't want to do this anymore, that this does not make you happy, then you find yourself confused and being silent and not, not joining in with this. And, of course, they don't know what to do either. They feel uncomfortable. And they think you're not their ally any longer. And of course, you're not the ally of their ego. You're beginning to step away from that. And I'm very sorry about that. I wish I could tell you something magical that you could do. But that's just the way it happens. And you will be confused. And perhaps you will every once in a while go back and say, well, I'll just go ahead and attack this anyway. And maybe we can renew the, our, our old feeling. But the old feeling was false. 
There was nothing there in the old feeling. It's better to be confused than to take sides against a brother or a sister. There is a very sort of light, happy way that you can gossip with another person in which your heart is not involved. And in doing that, you can raise the whole thing to another, another, another level where it's just a gentle laughing at, at the world. And if you can do that on this occasion with this person, then that's perfectly all right. But if you see you can't, if you see you're going to get caught up in it, as we said before, it's better to be confused and remain silent. I'm sorry the person will not understand this. And perhaps you will try to explain it to them. And they will not understand that even more. And will think that you're criticizing them. It's best to be as you were. It's best to take no direct action. This is very easily misunderstood. All of Jesus' statements about this are very misunderstood. There are things like this in the Course in Miracles. Don't try to understand that statement. Take no direct action. Just let it sit quietly in your heart and let it guide you on occasion. Do not try to deduce some behavior from a statement like that. It is best to leave the world undisturbed. Do not try to figure out what that means, but let it sit quietly in your heart, and you will not make yourself unhappy by going out and trying to change things that you're not going to change. You will only change the reason why, they're, why they are leaving you. They will simply get another one. If leave you is what they have decided to do, So, how do these relationships develop? Well, here's one possible way. You meet someone at a party someplace. The first rule of the ego relationship possibly is reciprocity. So, uh, this person invites you over, or let's say you're a couple. This couple invites you over for dinner. What must you do? You must invite them over, mustn't you? This is not true on a, <clears throat> on a true heart connection. There isn't any of that nonsense that goes on. That doesn't mean that someone is bad who expects you to behave in that way. And it doesn't mean if it would, not be, if it would be more peaceful for you to invite them back and reciprocate in, the, in a like manner, because that's what the ego wants done, to reciprocate in a like manner. It's all right to do that if it would be more peaceful for you to do that. But you know now that you're walking a tightrope, don't you? This must be kept up, and there's, there are little escalations along the way. So it's one thing, perhaps, to uh, go out to a movie with these people, but when they have you to, your, to their home, there's been a little escalation. You must reciprocate. And you know this pattern, don't you? You know how it can be a burden, don't you, as you're making out your party list, and there are all these people you suddenly have got to invite. It may be more peaceful for you to invite them, but you don't have to do that if you don't wish to. It wouldn't be more spiritual for you not to invite them. It wouldn't be more spiritual for you to invite them. Just see in your heart what you would like to do and realize there is no law of relationship 
in the way that the ego thinks of it. And so then there is a sort of regularity to contact that develops. You're familiar with this, aren't you? How often you see this particular person or this couple. It has to be maintained, doesn't it? If it's twice a week, it's got to be approximately that. If it's once every six months, it's got to stay approximately. If you go three years and then there's the relationship's over. Then there's the escalation of now you must side with them against their enemies. And so they will tell you about things that have been done to them. And you must side with them, mustn't you? You must take their side. Even if it involves someone that you know, you're expected to take their side. You cannot judge someone who's asking you to do that. It isn't as if they have a choice. They don't realize what they're caught up in. They really think this has to do with loyalty and friendship. They honestly believe that this is being a true friend. That you join them against the people who they think have hurt them. Whether you think that they've hurt them or not. Whether you think what was done to them was, was uh, important or unimportant. If they think it's important, you're expected to join with them. Do not judge anyone who's asking you to do that. It's not as if they knew any better, and it's not as if we hadn't done the same thing in our own lives over and over again. And then the last thing, possibly, is the longer you've known me, the more you owe me. <laughs> Isn't that true? And so now great favors can be asked. Great time can be demanded. After a relationship has gone on. For, and now someone is in a crisis. Or they think they are. And you are supposed to lay everything aside. And bail them out. Perhaps you are to lend them money. Perhaps you are to spend a great deal of time. Away from your family. Because they think they are going through a crisis. And if you do not do this. They are no longer your friend. Because you did not obey the ego's law of friendship. I know this is ugly, but these people were not your friends, but you can continue to be theirs. You can bless them. This does not mean you have to go out of your way to spend time with them. You bless them. Because as A Course in Miracles points out, it is no difference. It makes no difference whether you judge them in your heart, whether you attack them in your mind. Or you attack them overtly. Now, of course, it will save you a lot of trouble if you don't attack them overtly. You know, it gets everything stirred up and people involved and all that. But there is no essential difference because there's no love in it. And so it is not enough that you simply act kind. You must forgive this person entirely. And so you surround them in light every time they come to your thought. You realize that they are a sore place in your mind. And you want them to be a gentle place. They cannot help it. They truly cannot help it. In just a little while, they won't be in that stage anymore. They won't be doing that kind of thing any longer. But right now, they're like a child and you are like a parent. And you do not patronize them. But you realize that your brother or your sister is weak. That's all. They're just a little weak now. 
and so you be strong. You do not show them this. You're not arrogant or holier than thou. You do not tell people what you are doing that's so magnanimous. You just be as you were. You continue in peace. You bless them. If they choose to leave, you allow them to leave. If they choose this particular way to leave, which may be an attack, you allow them to leave in the way they have chosen to leave. And you bless them. If they come back, you bless them. If they come back and leave and come back and leave and come back and leave because they just can't make out what you're doing, you allow them to do that. This doesn't mean you have to take them into your home. It doesn't mean that you have to keep them as an employee. It doesn't mean any of that silly stuff. Because what you are following is the peace of God. The peace of God is dictating every step of this. And you consult your peace as to what to do. You see, what happens is that we get all caught up in how to behave under these circumstances. It makes no difference how we behave. You want to heal your mind. And if you will heal your mind, your behavior will take a normal, appropriate aspect. It, it, it will fall into place. Your behavior is the shadow of your mind. Shine brightly, and it will be a clear and unconfused shadow. And there will be many people who will not understand what you're doing, but you continue to walk home. This is what will help them. And maybe someday their ego will be weak enough that they can truly be your friend. And you will know when that day has come, and you will know that this person will never again desert you. 